Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's a Halloween mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter in the guest co-host chair. Here to answer your questions. Help me answer your questions. Suda Upadeya. At Suda Upadeya on Twitter. Former Ole Miss Spirit staffer. Now works for Channel 5 in Memphis. Suda, what's up, man? What's up, Benjamin? You forgot to say, now the villain amongst the Ole Miss fan base. I don't think that I believe that. (laughs) No, I don't think that's true. But I did get ratioed on Twitter earlier this week. You deserved it. (sighs) Sure. That's that's what what we're going to talk about, right? Well, the mailbag's coming up in about 10 minutes, brought to you by Modern Woodman, but you go out there, and I know you're covering Memphis, but you say game day coming to Memphis is more significant than game day coming to Ole Miss. That's just not true. I said that it feels like an even bigger deal than Ole Miss getting it in 2014, because it is true, Benjamin, okay? It is true, because you, listen, it has nothing, so people took that to mean like I was saying that it was more special, that it was going to be a better show. All these things that I did not say. What I said was, it's a bigger deal because, I mean, look at it, man. Ole Miss is in the SEC, okay? If Ole Miss is a competitive team, I don't don't just mean like a nine-win team, but they are at the top of their conference, like Memphis has been in the American. It's been proven that they will be not just hosting game day, which it worked out that year, but they will actually be on college game day. Ole Miss has been on college game day three times, and it happened during its peak, during the Hugh Freeze years. Memphis... The winners of the AAC, the team that's consistently been to the American Athletic Conference championship game, hosting it for the first time this year. And it, everything had to align for this to happen. Like Georgia, Florida are both one loss. And Kirk Herbstreit said, or I think it was Reese Davis, one of them said, we would be going to Jacksonville otherwise. Um, the American Athletic Conference, you know how many times that conference, a team from that conference has hosted college game day? I'm waiting. You don't know because it's insignificant to people from the SEC, right? Twice. This is it. Two times. Memphis will be the second time that this is ever going to happen. It is a program that when you look at it, and I'm not trying to insult this program, 
it has no business hosting college game day, at least in the eyes of the SEC and teams like Ole Miss. It, it, it's not even like in the equation ever. Wait, so for wait, them wait, to wait, host wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I thought Memphis and Ole Miss were on equal footing. That's what every Memphis fan tells you. Well, listen, it, competitively over the last couple of years, Memphis has obviously been better on the field. So their fans may feel that way. But I'm speaking strictly on the point of conferences and exposure and who people look to when it comes to national attention. And while Ole Miss, yes, doesn't get the most national attention, when Ole Miss has shown that when it is a contender in the SEC West, when it threatens Alabama, when it threatens LSU, when it threatens, you can, I guess, even say Auburn in, 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 the, in the good years, that ESPN and the national conversation can be focused on Ole Miss, as it was shown in 2014 and 2015. So that is why I said that the 901 Memphis getting college game day is an even bigger deal because it's like not even, it wasn't even in the realm of possibilities, Ben. When you were growing up, did you ever think that Memphis football would be hosting college game day? You're doing great, sweetie, but here's the deal. Growing up, I never would have thought Ole Miss would have gotten college game day. Ole Miss has gotten game day one time. You're thinking right. of SEC now. They've gotten SEC now twice in college no, 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 game yes. day once. But they've they've been featured on college game day three times. Once for the Ole Miss at LSU game where, where Ole Miss was number three. There was the time that – But we're um, talking about specifically hosting game day. Right, but that's what I'm saying, Ben. Like even being featured on there, hosting it, they've done it one time. But it and it was also when Ole Miss was really, really, really good. So if Ole Miss is really, really, really good at the top of their conference, as Memphis has been the last what four or five years, it has been shown because of the level of competition and talent in the SEC, college game day will come to Ole Miss for those marquee matchups. Ole Miss just has to hold its end of the bargain, which is being good. Right, Memphis, they could be the best. They, they've been the best team in the AAC for the last few years. It hasn't even been a discussion. I mean, some fans have been like, oh, well, maybe this game. But like, no, no, no. It's it's never been realistic until this year. And it's finally happened. And who knows when it's going to happen again for this team? Is it my Because turn. it's Memphis football. Yeah, it yeah it's your show. It's your show, Benjamin. Whenever. I didn't know. Whenever you want. I didn't know it was my show at this point. <laughs> First of all, Memphis getting game day has just as much to do with SMU being ranked than Memphis being good. And that helps my point. That's what all I'm the stars had to align for them to get game day. That's true. Exactly. But Ole Miss is never and has never been at the top of the list for game day to come to Oxford. That's why it was so significant for the Grove, which say what you want to about Ole Miss as a college football program. The Grove is a nationally recognized thing. People want to come to the Grove to see it because they've heard all these great things about it. But right. yet, of it's never been displayed to a national audience on national television. And so game day coming to Ole Miss meant that college football finally got a taste of what Ole Miss always thought itself to be, but it never gotten to that point competitively. There were many opportunities that game day could have come, but Ole Miss was nationally relevant. This game between Memphis and SMU is a good story, no doubt about it. It's two ranked teams in the American, otherwise wouldn't get that opportunity. But it also says something about the weekend slate of games. Let's be real. Yes, that helps my point then. It doesn't matter that Memphis is nationally relevant. It, it doesn't matter that, you know, it, it, like you said, it depends on SMU being undefeated and it depends on everybody else being down. That is the only way Memphis got this year. You know how Ole Miss got it? They were good. They threatened Alabama. But Ole Miss People had been good before, Sudu. Ole Miss and LSU back in 2003 were competing they, for the SEC West and they didn't get yes, game day. They got snubbed in 03. You're right. But what I'm saying, though, is in the Hugh Freeze era, 
during during the peak when because there's also I mean with social media it's it's different than out there you know what I mean there's people constantly like we want it here we want it there so the producers they're seeing all this stuff during the Hugh Freeze era Ole Miss hosted it once you're right but College Game Day showed that an Ole Miss game a team when Ole Miss played a team that I guess it was it was one of those marquee SEC West matchups they were willing to feature Ole Miss on those shows three times they were on there three times hosted it once. So you can make the argument that, hey, if Ole Miss had LSU at home, they would have come because obviously that was the game of the week. So if Ole Miss is good again, if Ole Miss is one of the best teams in the SEC again, they're threatening Alabama, they're threatening LSU, and those games are in Oxford, they will come because it is the SEC. But Memphis can be as good as they want. It doesn't matter. Because but Ole Miss is just seven. as much relying upon <clears throat> its competition as Memphis is. And all the points sure. that you're making in regards to Memphis – Hold true to Ole Miss, if not more so. Because my, Ole Miss is not is, considered among the SEC's elite. Ole Miss has never true. been considered a program that can be featured to a national audience. It took unique circumstances for Ole Miss to get to that place. Same thing true. with Memphis. So on a national stage with a program that is more nationally recognized than Memphis, to finally be given the credit it felt like it deserved forever is more significant. Because it plays to a larger audience. It plays to a larger collection of people. It doesn't happen within the Memphis bubble. But the thing the thing about oh, it, Ben, God, is it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, what I'm telling you is like the Ole Miss thing, there was always like a little tease. Like, oh, if, if this lines up, we could get it, right? It, it wasn't even in the realm of possibility for this program. It is a group of five program that has not been that great consistently that Ole Miss fans laugh at, Right. So it, it shouldn't even be in the realm of possibility. That That is why I said it feels like an even bigger deal. Now, there's some people who think I'm saying it's going to be more special, that the Grove's not great. I never said that. I, to this day, think that is the best college game I've, I've ever seen in terms of the way it looked on TV, the way we showed up. I mean, it was beautiful. Those shots of them scanning through the Grove, I still haven't seen anything like it. So don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking my alma mater. I'm just saying for this program that has been a doormat for – other teams to come in and beat to host it is it's insane it, it's it was unfathomable just a here's couple an years idea ago. it doesn't have to be one or the other for two programs in which game day was never thought to be a true realistic opportunity it happened it's significant for both in the same or equal measure now you could argue that it's more important for Ole Miss in this respect or more important for Memphis in that respect why do you even have to compare them to begin with Obviously, I'm in, in our DMA, which is the uh, people we cover. See, right? now we've gotten to the crux of the issue. It's the tape so, show. So who we cover, right? So, you know, it's a matter of, okay. That, and that, that discussion has been – it had been going on. So in, in this community, that discussion had been going on. So that's why I was like, well, it is. You're right. It is a bigger deal for a program that – And why no was it business. going on in that community of Memphis? Because, I mean, I guess the proximity to Ole Miss and the fact that Memphians consider – or Memphis, I shouldn't say Memphians. Memphis fans consider Ole Miss and rivals. So, obviously, okay. they're going to want to okay. they're going to want to compare the two sides. And and that's little brother syndrome, and that's not constructive, and they just need to enjoy what is a unique experience rather than try to compare them to a school in which they have nothing in common outside of being an hour away from it. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Suda Upa Day. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions on this Halloween. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Before we get into this, Grant Tisdale, after we recorded on Tuesday, 
decided to transfer from Ole Miss. You knew some quarterback was leaving. You knew one of them was leaving. It's Grant Tisdale. He's out. He's in the transfer portal. Now it's Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Um, I know you don't have a lot of thoughts about the quarterback situation, but with Ole Miss right now, from an outsider's point of view, it is your alma mater. What do you think about Ole Miss football? I have a lot of thoughts on this Ole Miss. I, I wanted to see Grant Tisdale play, Ben. I wanted to see more from him. I, you know, I, you're, you're at practice obviously more than me, so you probably know more as to why he didn't play or what skill set he had. But from the outside, not covering it on a day-to-day basis, I wish we could have seen him a little bit more. I mean, I, right now I just worry that a guy that maybe that could have thrown the football is, is gone. And I love JRP, man. I love what he can do with his feet. But, man, they, got, they need someone that can throw the football. I don't understand why Grant didn't get more of a chance in games that weren't particularly competitive just to see what you got. Yeah, because every Ole Miss fan is going to go back to the, the the trash minutes of the Alabama game when he threw that touchdown. And, you know, like you're going up against like second, third stringers. I mean, what you know, there you can say all kinds of things like they're not taking it seriously. And that's why he threw that touchdown. But it looked good. Good enough, I think, to give him another opportunity at the end of a game that didn't matter or, or a situation where, you know, you could have. My issue now, and I've been saying this all year, ultimately Ole Miss is going to have to pick one. You're never going to be able to utilize a two-quarterback system over the long haul. Now with Grant Tisdale gone, which was, I think, your security blanket, and you do got Robbie Ashford coming in, now all attention goes to Matt Corral because John Rice Plumlee isn't going anywhere. He's too ingrained in football and baseball. John Rice Plumlee's here to stay. But if Matt Corral leaves too, then what? Now you've got a quarterback depth chart of John Rice Plumley, Kincaid Dent, and Robbie Ashford. Do Sell I think Matt Corral's man. leaving? I don't know. I don't know if he's leaving or not, but quarterbacks don't stay when the transfer portal is right there for them to go play somewhere. So once you make that decision of who your quarterback is, now we could be talking about in a month a coaching change. That's one of the questions in the mailbag. We talked ad nauseum about it on Tuesday. I don't think we will be, but we could. And in that scenario, Matt Corral probably looks at, oh, I've got the opportunity to compete for the job again. But unless Matt Luke and staff, Rich Rod, are out of here, Matt Corral is now on watch, on red alert, to potentially leave, I think. I think that Rich Rodriguez, as I was the first one to say out loud in public and got ostracized for it, John Rice Plumley was handpicked by Rich Rodriguez. And I think that Matt Luke and staff have shown they have a particular affinity for John Rice Plumley. And if Matt Corral sees the writing on the wall that at best he's going to be sharing time, no quarterback that thinks he's starter worthy is going to hang around for that. Yeah, I, listen, that it's 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 a mess right now, man. You went from thinking like you were pretty good at that position. To now, it's so many questions. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. And obviously, you know, you throw in the whole, you don't know what the coaching staff looks like next year. Yeah, it is it is a cause for concern. Now, Ashford, you've been high on him. What do you what do you think? Yeah. How big of an impact does he make right away? I don't think he's going to make a huge impact right away. He's also a football and baseball player. Just like John Rice Plumley. if you get him on campus, very few schools are going to offer him the opportunity that Ole Miss will offer him. So I don't think he's really any threat to leave. But still, to lose Grant Tisdale now and to potentially lose another later, I'm not saying it'll happen, but now you have to watch for that. That's a scary quarterback depth chart that was, going into the year, very, very strong. You knew there was going to be an issue, though, with two true freshman quarterbacks and a redshirt freshman quarterback. That's just the culture now in college football. 
quarterbacks don't hang around to hope that they could potentially play. And Grant Tisdale is going to go somewhere. Maybe it's North Carolina to play for Phil Longo, who he committed to. I don't know. That's just purely speculation on my part. And when he does get to his next stop, I fully expect Grant Tisdale to be good. I'm not saying he's going to set the world on fire, but I believe he's a starting caliber quarterback in college football. And I hope that he does well. I wish the best for him. But for Ole Miss, it certainly adds more depth issues to your team because you're going to see more transfers at the end of the year. You're going to. That's just the culture now. Don't be afraid of it. I wouldn't be shocked to see Ole Miss lose 8 to 12 more transfers. That's across college football, though. Everybody's going to be losing that. But that's why it's important when you do recruit and you do land this commitment class that you don't go ahead and write down in stone the commitments that you have because needs are going to arise elsewhere. Yeah, that's you're right. That's how that works now. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough. It's going to be tough. That's the thing, man. It's like, you know, Ole Miss fans, we already have this kind of mindset. So if Grant goes somewhere and he's the starter and he starts making some noise, man, a lot of bottles of bourbon are going to start opening up. <laughs> That's just how this works. Well, think That's about how it. it works for when Miss. all those transfers happened during the NCAA stuff, everyone dismissed Trey Nixon or Deontay Anderson or whoever. Oh, they weren't going to play anyway. Well, no, but that's depth. And that depth shows up eventually, like with the offensive line this year, right? Tony Gray leaves. That hurts. Jack DeFore leaves. That hurts. No, they're not starters or guys you overly rely on to contribute as far as minutes are concerned, but that still hurts. Depth matters in college football, in any sport for that matter. And when you lose those guys, it hurts. So if Ole Miss lost, and this is purely speculation, if Ole Miss were to lose a Miles battle to the transfer portal, you'll say as an Ole Miss fan, oh yeah, Miles battle wasn't any good. But that's a spot that they have to recruit and replace. That's a player that's been in the system. If they lose players like that, it does hurt. On the surface, sure, they weren't starters. But you don't get away with just running out your starters for 70 plays a game. That's not how it works at all. Ben, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> I, I just, from the outside, man, you, you love it so much, you know, but you just kind of, you're like, man. Yeah. But it's a Halloween mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I don't want to get you too down right now because we've got questions to answer. Talk of Champions is brought to you by MyBookie and Impact by Ironwood. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. College football season is wrapping up. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double, double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss Athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. 
The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The the mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. Opening up the mailbag here on Talk of Champions, I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Suda Upadea at Suda Upadea on Twitter. Used to write for the Ole Miss Spirit. Now he works for Channel 5 in Memphis. Do you have any special plans tonight? I do, Benjamin. I do. I'm going to be dressed up as Marty McFly. Um, I will be out on the streets of Memphis. If you see Marty, make sure you say hello. Maybe I'll give you a ride on the DeLorean. Got a cool little hoverboard. I'm going to be breaking out. Should be a casual night, Ben. I went as Marty McFly one year. <laughs> I did that. Really? Yeah. You yeah. you probably made a good Marty McFly. I made an overweight Marty McFly. <laughs> when was this? Oh, God. College. I went to college, college weighing a good weight. I was feeling myself, feeling good. That freshman 15, that don't play. You know, I never gained the freshman 15, Ben. Well, I think you I can lost eat whatever you want, not gain year. a single pound. <laughs> I did gain like a sophomore 15, but that, oh, well. that didn't last. Yeah. That didn't last. What's the worst or most embarrassing Halloween outfit you ever had to wear or just chose to wear? Dude, I'll tell you what. When I was in the fifth grade, I just, I don't know what I was thinking or how I was influenced to do this. <laughs> I was, um, I was going to a, like a big kind of like trick or treat. I don't know, a trick or treat party. Like it was a bunch of my friends. We were all trick or treating together and I decided to dress up as a, partly inspired by John Cena. I'm not going to lie. I, what I called a beat up gangster. Okay. So I had, <laughs> I had a very baggy white t-shirt. I had these like jean shorts down to my knees. I, I like put blood all over my like shirt and on my lips. And then I took aluminum foil and made a grill. And I like, I don't know where this came from, Ben, but I, that's what I did. And one of the friends moms who was taking us all trick or treating was like, we should all go to this Halloween contest, this costume contest at the public library in Oxford. So we all went and I got up on that stage. Everybody's like, I'm a ninja. You know, I'm a power ranger. I got up there, Ben, and I was like, I'm a beat up gangster. And Ben, I'll tell you what, every one of those parents went from smiling and laughing to just nothing, man. Dead cold face when they saw me up mm. there. Mm. I'm a beat up gangster. Oh, God. It still it makes me cringe. Dumbest, most embarrassing costume I ever wore for Halloween. Boy, George. <laughs> I had a blast when with we, George. I got hammered. He was well, in college. I was in college. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had to, um, I dressed up as the guy from the life of Pi my freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy drew, um, in my fraternity, and I guess I could say this now. He, he was, uh, the tiger from, uh, from life of Pi. Oh my God. And, That's good. and we had a little raft built and, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. We like passed out beer from this raft. My favorite oh, costume was dressing as a competitor in the yeah, Legends of the Hidden Temple, an iconic child game show. And okay. we dressed up as the purple parrots and you okay. wore the bike helmet and the elbow pads and the knee pads. And we did a bar crawl and it was great. <laughs> this was at Ole Miss? Fresh out of college. 
Yeah, had a couple other friends dress up as the blue barracudas. It was great. There you go. You have no clue what either of those things are. And, you know, I just looked it up and I have seen yeah. I have seen like the the logo and stuff. Yeah. So now know, you know. I'm I'm a little familiar. Legends never of watched the it. Hidden Temple. Now you know. My friend Flood, my oldest friend in the book, he and his wife <laughs> went dressed as Mean Girls, and Flood was Regina George. <laughs> Carried a burn book and everything. Did he wear a skirt? Yes. He was Regina George. I love it. All right, we got to answer these mailbag questions. Here we go. The first one, we start from the bottom and go to the top. Ed McDonald, at Ed McDon, 82607366. Man, change your Twitter handle. How long will Matt Luke remain head coach? Okay, first of all, before I answer this question, we talked Tuesday, did Colin Brister and I, for a long time about Matt Luke's future as Ole Miss head coach as well as Rich Rodriguez's offensive coordinator. But I'm going to answer your question anyway. How long will Matt Luke remain head coach? Well, the offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez, who did away with our famous NWO receivers leave after this year. Young talent being wasted. Don't let another season be for nothing. I think Matt Luke's getting next year, but I think the leash will be short. If they start one and four, it wouldn't surprise me if Matt Luke was replaced with an interim. If Mike McIntyre is here, that would be the guy. I feel like, and through everyone I've talked to, the general sense I get is that Rich Rodriguez has one foot out the door, and he'll be one and done at Ole Miss. Cody Wiley, at Cody underscore Wiley 1991, do you feel like this year's basketball team is being overlooked, or is 1-10 to 10 really that good in the SEC? Maybe not 1-10, to 10, but 1-8 to eight for sure, and Ole Miss was picked to finish 8th but you can make a case for 9 through 14, would have a case to being ranked in the top eight. The SEC's really strong this year. Probably a top three basketball conference, Sudo? Absolutely, man. It's it's incredible the way that SEC is changing in basketball. Excuse me. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Ole Miss is going to surprise people just like they did a year ago. I mean, it's, a, it's okay to be the underdog, guys. It's okay to prove something. Sure. They were picked to finish last, and they finished in the oh, top seven. Forget the precinct rank. If they are picked to finish eighth, going by that math, maybe they finish in the top five. We'll see. Ole Miss and Memphis play each other four games into the year. What does Memphis have as far as their basketball team goes? They look pretty good right, right now. The the one concern right now is James Wiseman, the uh, reigning uh, number one player in the country, has not played, did not play in the preseason tournament in the Bahamas, didn't play in either exhibition game. He's nursing a right ankle injury right now, and Penny is – pretty much saying, I hope he can go for the season opener next week, but we don't know. Now Memphis plays Oregon in three weeks, so you would hope James would be back by then. But in his uh, absence, Precious Achua, another five-star, another projected lottery pick, has just been dominant, man. He didn't play in the Bahamas either, but these last two uh, exhibition games, granted they were against Christian Brothers University and Lemoyne in college, has just been a force, man. Nobody can stop him. Just absolutely dominant. Um, they have some good way, some just some good guards and Boogie Ellis and Lester Quinones, both four stars. Boogie was committed to Duke. Penny flipped him to Memphis. Um, if these guys get their outside shots going, they're going to be lethal from downtown. Um, who else? Who else do they have? Um, they have a veteran guy in Lance Thomas, pretty good on the inside. I mean, they're talented, Ben. They're they're preseason top 14 team. If they can get it together and Penny figures it out, you know, we're looking at probably a sweet 16 team right now and they could be better but i don't want to get too ahead of myself so at cody underscore wiley 1991 thoughts on your comparison between this coming year's baseball team to gray and dillard's freshman year team with all the newcomers are we looking at year 
like that one? I don't think so. I think this team, pitching-wise, is better equipped to be competitive and be an NCAA host team, not necessarily a top-seeded team, but certainly one that can host a regional. Um, Doug Nikhazy on Friday, Gunnar Hogland on Saturday, and Derek Diamond, that kid's going to be special. Might not be immediately, but he's going to be special. Austin Miller's back. Tyler Myers has been really good so far in the fall. I know he was up and down last year, but had some really great moments in the postseason. Wes Burton's a freshman they like a lot. He's 6'8 with a pitching plane that makes it really hard on opposing hitters to see his pitches. They got a lot of good arms. And then hitting-wise, there's a ton of upside. And you know what you're getting, Tyler Keenan, Anthony Servideo, Kevin Graham, but a Peyton Chatney has been great this fall. Connor Walsh was number 27 in perfect game. They signed two JUCOs, unlike that year when they just went true freshman and were staying away from JUCO. Hayden Leatherwood, Kel Baker, both of which could make an impact. One of, at least, should be in the middle of that order. I don't know which one. I would probably say Hayden Leatherwood today, but Kel Baker's got a ton of upside, too. Hayden Dunhurst, highly ranked as a catcher. Defense is already there. Knox Posser, he's going to fit in there somewhere. He's had a great offensive fall, and when given an opportunity not being hurt last year, he really hits. So I think they're further ahead than that team. Henry F. at Lieutenant Fox. Thoughts on Mike Bianco as Ole Miss's next athletics director. It's not going to happen. If and when Mike leaves Ole Miss, whether he's fired, whether he steps down, whatever, Mike's going to keep coaching. He wants to set the record in the SEC for most wins by an SEC head coach. Or he wants to be amongst the greatest college baseball coaches as far as wins go in college baseball history. So Mike Bianco wants to coach baseball. Do I think he'd make a pretty good AD? I don't know. It's not like you can just step into that role and be flawless. Philip Fulmer hasn't been flawless as the AD of Tennessee. There's a lot you have to factor in, and there would be a steep learning curve. But Mike Bianco, if nothing else, is certainly a micromanager. And maybe that's what you want as an AD. That's something you and I've talked about before, Sue. Who is Mike Bianco? Yeah, I was, was going to say, Ben, I feel like you, you're you one of the first people to bring that up to me. And, you know, you, you mentioned that years ago to me. Um, and the, you made a case. I forgot what you said to me because at first I was like, really, Mike? And then you were like, yes. And you made a case. And I was like, yeah, Mike Bianco for AD. <laughs> I was all on board after you made your case. So I, I'd, I'd be intrigued. I'd He's be intrigued. a hard ass. That's for sure. He is. But an AD has to rely on the people around him to do their jobs well. Right. Have to accept that a Michael Thompson knows more about communications than you do. You got to be able to rely on the people you built around you or put around you. And Mike Bianco is notorious for wanting his fingers in everything. So that's something that with Mike, I mean, what, 50s? Really going to change your stripes now? So (laughs) I, I don't know if that would work all that well for Mike, but... At the end of the day, he wants to coach baseball. I doubt that that's ever going to be a realistic thing. Maybe it ends up becoming realistic, but as of today, that doesn't sound all that realistic to me. Mac Vaughn at Mac Wheeler. Way too early Ole Miss basketball NCAA tournament seed this year. Oh, gosh. They were 20-13 and 13 last year, had a great conference record, and they got an eight seed. I think they're going to be a little bit better. What do you think, Six? Six or seven. Six or seven, okay. I could see that. I know losing Terrence Davis is a big deal, but, dude, I just look at what, what he did a year ago, what Kermit was able to do a year ago, and I know that they, they have a lot of talent still coming back, and they added a little bit. I feel good. I'm feeling good about Ole Miss basketball right now. It's such a different place for you because you don't have to cover Ole Miss anymore. You just get to fan out about everything. 
in a way. I mean, I cover the, it, it's from afar, you know, it's like, yeah, I get the, I get the press conferences. I, I'm, I'm watching and keeping up, but yeah, I don't actually have to be there a day in and day out. So it's, it is a little different now. So you're stoked for Ole Miss basketball. I am. I am. I'm excited. I'm just excited for the program, man. Cause I know growing up, like I wanted Ole Miss basketball to be so good and it had its moments, but now it finally feels like they can, they have a guy that can get them over the hump. And also there's more commitment among the fan base. That, that's just good to see how this basketball program, and it's still got a long way to go. I mean, that Kermit made a really good point at SEC Media Day. He said, you know, Ole Miss is one of those programs where you have to literally, you have to just m- making it to the tournament year after year. It's going to take a long process, like years and years to be nationally relevant. And I just think Ole Miss fans are kind of accepting that now, and they're on board. We'll get right back to Suda Upadei in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Chinese pharmacy. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe you'll get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern, open concept, one bedroom, two bedroom, whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. But you want to learn more, so call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. At Cheney's, Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. If, big if, Matt Luke were let go, would it be more likely that one of Mike McIntyre or Rich Rod replaces him or someone from the outside of the program? Rich Rod, I don't think, is going to be a candidate. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he's gone after this year. Mike McIntyre, maybe, but I think it's more likely that they would hire from the outside, do a complete reset. I think that's what many around the program would prefer. Do you think they'd go outside or stick to Mike McIntyre? 
I don't know, Ben, right now with Ole Miss, it's just, it's hard to tell. I mean, who's going to be the AD, you know? Who, who, are they bringing Keith, is Keith Carter going to be hired? I mean, you just don't know with anything going on at that university right now. I, I wouldn't mind Mike McIntyre being the head coach. I just don't know of too many exciting guys right now out there that I would say, oh, that guy'd be a great fit for Ole Miss. I would like to see maybe McIntyre take over. I know he likes Oxford. He's familiar with Ole Miss. Um, maybe take over. I'm mean, given the turnaround for that defense um, as someone who's there already recruiting, maybe adding some familiarity would be good. Um, and going out and maybe getting a young, good offensive mind, somebody that's the next up and coming coordinator or whatever, and giving them the reins of the offense and seeing how that goes. I'd be okay with that. But I mean, you're, you, you cover that program more closely than me. Do you have any idea? Like, can you even gauge what, where this is going to go? No, exactly. It's, it's just hard to tell right now. And it starts from the chancellor thing and on down. It's like, there's so many question marks right now. It's just hard to tell. If they go four and eight with a loss to the egg bowl, it becomes real. They win the Egg Bowl and go five and seven. I don't see any way he doesn't get next year. If Mike McIntyre stays as defensive coordinator and doesn't get a job like Vanderbilt, if they start one and four and Matt Luke gets canned, Mike McIntyre steps in as the interim and he gets a free shot at it. Other than that, I don't really have a read on any other type of way. A name I floated on Tuesday, Mike Norvell. <laughs> I I don't know, man. From my understanding, Norvell seems to really be swinging for the fences. I think. He kind of, I don't know if he views himself this way or this is how people were setting it up for me, but everybody compares him to Chris Peterson. Like he's going to wait for that perfect opportunity for him. And I know the Ole Miss thing was on the table the last go around and, and certain things didn't, you know, allow that to happen. I don't know if it would, it, since we've sort of moved away from when some of those issues would have been a little more um, in the spotlight, maybe it would be different this time around, but I just don't know. It doesn't feel like Norvell would go to Ole Miss. I just don't know why. Now there are now I will say this. I have heard Mississippi State people say that they think Mike Norvell could take the Mississippi State job, which would be very intriguing. But it doesn't feel like his kind of job to me. That would make Ole Miss fans sick. Oh, Ben, I just listen. He can already recruit Mississippi. I, I've seen what he can do with offense on offense at least. I just no, it would not go great. No. But at, at the same time, at the same time, for Mississippi State, as someone who also covers Mississippi State, it would be a great hire. It would be exactly what they were looking for. It would be great for Ole Miss, too. <laughs> why, why is that, Ben? I don't want to get into this again. I talked about this ad nauseum on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm getting your take. You don't like Mike Norvell at Ole Miss? I do like Mike Norvell at Ole Miss. I, I like it. I just don't think it would happen. Now, I, I don't, you know, this is, this is college football. These guys are at the end of the day, they're like mercenaries. Whoever pays them the most, that's where they go. But because of that Memphis Ole Miss thing, if Mike Norvell took the job at Ole Miss, oh my goodness, bro. It'd be great. Good. Oh, it would be the people of this, uh, that love Memphis football would, they would never forgive him just by what he's done for them. It would be him going to Tennessee would be, would be even worse but they would never forgive him. And as much as Norvell talks about Memphis and putting on for this program in the city, if he were to do that, that would be the most disingenuous thing, I think, in, in the eyes of the Memphis people. So, so I just what? don't know if he'll do that. So what? That's coaching for you. It is. It's coaching. That's my thing, though. I'm not, I'm not saying he won't do it. Nothing that coaches do surprises me, Ben. Cody N. Sanders at Southern Sanders. With plenty of young <laughs> talent and a very active transfer portal, what must Matt Luke and company do to ensure that talent stays at the University of Mississippi? Win. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a smartass or be too simplistic, but win. That's how. 
you're going to lose guys no matter what. Ole Miss has lost Montreal Custis, Josh Clark, C.J. Miller, Cavante Ruggs, Cam White. I'm missing somebody. But now also Grant Tisdale. That's going to happen. When certain players see writing on the wall that they're not going to get real playing time, valuable playing time, they're going to leave. Doesn't matter if you're Ole Miss or Alabama. But to keep talent and make sure that guys that might be on the fringe tempted to leave for a better situation, thinking that they're worth a roster spot at a Blue Blood program, like I not say Ole Miss and Blue Blood, but an Alabama or Georgia or Florida, whatever, you got to win. Three and five and losing to Memphis and Cal, that's not going to work. Angry Ole Miss fan at a true rebel underscore 99. What position would Ole Miss be in as a football program if the NCAA didn't punish Ole Miss? Oh, perennial top 15? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it also depends on, I mean, I guess how Freeze's, Freeze would have continued. I mean, I'm sure if he would have continued to recruit at the level he was recruiting despite some boneheaded decisions, yeah, they would still probably be a top 15 team. What I look at, though, and you and I have talked about this before, is do you think eventually with the way the defensive, the recruiting on defense and those key positions not being able to fill them, do you think that would have just ended up toppling Ole Miss anyways? I do. The way Freeze chased five stars? Yeah, I do. You and I have talked about that before on this podcast, about how yeah. Hugh Freeze's recruitment changed, his approach changed, and there was a fall-off. There was a drop-off. It's a shame that, first of all, Matt Luke had to account for the recruiting failures of Hugh Freeze once he was dismissed in July before the season started because that was Hugh Freeze's fault. Now, am I so naive as to think that Hugh Freeze wouldn't have adapted and gotten back to what was successful for him and been good again? No, I think that's very much a possibility or would have been a possibility, but we'll never know. But there's no denying that the recruitment, it fell off in those classes. The bill was going to come due. Yeah, I, I think in order for Hugh Freeze to have continued to be a success, success at Ole Miss and stay for years and years and years, the one thing he needed to do was quit making everything about him, put the damn ego aside hire a good offensive coordinator and realize, hey, he's probably going to leave at some point and just set yourself up to a little bit of turnover, hand the reins of play calling over, build the program, recruit, be the face that everybody loved, and keep all the crap you were doing on the DL. I don't know what he was doing in his personal life. Like I'm one of those people that believes as long as you're not committing major violations and, and you're not putting the program in harm's way, what you're doing in your personal life, as long as you're not a, just a bad person, whatever, that's your personal life. But he was, man, he was out of control. I mean, it was just ridiculous, the stuff that was going on in that program under him. So The stuff that, you would hear about him, it was hard to believe, and it was impossible to corroborate it with anybody that could potentially do that for you. It exactly. sounded so asinine, so out of left field. And yet, for the most part, it was true. It was true. As small of a town as Oxford is, it's outrageous, man. It's ridiculous, the stuff that you would hear. It was nuts. Going to such great just, lengths to hide that he was a drinker, for example. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, people would come tell me, because they, I was a student, but I also worked for the Spirit at the time, and people would tell me all kinds of stuff. And I was like, what am I going to do with this information? Are you going to go on record? No. No one uh, would go on record with that. Nobody. No, nobody. And if you're wrong, and that rumor was bullshit... Oh, well, you're opening yourself up for litigation. Oh, you're done. I mean, you're selling real estate like our buddy Riley. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good guy. 
Jason Brooks, at Jason L. Brooks, with the recent announcement of the home-and-home home series with Purdue, roughly 15 years out, would you take the over or under of Ole Miss appearances in the SEC championship game at one over that time span? What is it realistically going to take for Ole Miss to get there? Oh, I'm taking the under. It's been this long. I would too, I think. To get there, one, Nick Saban needs to retire. You've proven you can contend with LSU if everything falls right and recruit right. You've got to be like Hugh Freeze was as far as, not getting Hugh Freeze back. Be like the Texas Tech of the SEC. When Texas Tech was upsetting everyone and was taking its conference by storm by being unique to itself. It had its own brand of football. It wasn't trying to be Alabama. It wasn't trying to be someone else. It created its own unique identity. When you watch Texas Tech, you watch Michael Crabtree and Graham Harrell, that high-flying offense, that Mike Leach-led air raid offense, it was innovative. Now, you're not going to necessarily go find the next Mike Leach, but you need to be constantly looking for that guy that's innovative, that can bring something that you haven't seen before. You're going to have to take chances. And a couple of times over 15 years in this scenario that Jason Brooks has brought up, you're going to fail spectacularly. You're going to lose like you've never lost before. But at some point, someone's going to hit. One of those chances, one of those lottery tickets is going to pay off. And that's how you get there. But Nick Saban has to retire first. There has to be more parity in the SEC West before Ole Miss can really contend for an SEC championship. How much money would Ole Miss have to give Michael Leach to get him from Washington State? Is that ever even The going rate right for head coaches? What, six million? Five and a half? Five and a half, six? You think that would be enough? You think Mike Leach would come to Ole Miss at this point in his life, though? That's my thing. I just don't know if he's – I think he's comfortable up there, man. He's teaching a class. He's, he's, he's already a national brand. Anything he says is going to be picked up. Uh, I just don't think the allure of the SEC exists in his mind anymore. But then again, I mean, you know he's a competitor, and he's a guy that wants to win at the highest level, and he's always been rumored to take whatever SEC job is open, but he never does. I think there is the itch to see if his style can work in the SEC. I think that's real. I think he should do it. <laughs> almost got Tennessee. Think, almost. He almost did. You're right. Somebody almost. is ultimately going to bite their lip and take the shot. I think it should be Ole Miss. It's it's that kind of program that should do it. I don't disagree. It should be. And, you know, every time there's a coaching search going on in Mike Leach's, you know, his name comes up. So eventually I think you just have to just swing for the fences. Give him like seven. Can Ole Miss do that? Can Ole Miss pay that much? Eventually. <laughs> I don't know about right now. It's going to cost you $14 million if you got rid of the staff right now. Sheesh. And they already dipped into their uh, rainy day fund significantly as they were dealing with the NCAA stuff. Oh, goodness, that was so bad, man. That yeah. really dried up funds. Dan Rogers, at Dan underscore Rogers 234. Do you really think Matt Luke gets another year if the team goes 4-8 and eight with a loss in the Egg Bowl? No. I don't think so either. I don't know, though. No. I don't know. Who's doing the hiring? They've compiled a search committee. It's a strong committee. Wesley Walls. It is a strong committee. David Morris, Peggy Gillum, Mike Glenn's in an advisory role. So is Archie Manning. It's a strong committee. It's the right approach to the committee. That's only a few. I don't, I don't want to get into the whole thing. But um, who's doing the hiring? How quickly do they move? Are they hiring somebody in 30 days? You don't put a committee like that together if you're hiring somebody in 30 days. I hope it's just someone that's worth the crap, Ben. 
I really do. <laughs> well, you and I, everybody I, else, I, I buddy. Hope it, I hope it's someone that's qualified, Ben. <laughs> Let's say that. Given the recent events at that university, I hope it's someone that's actually the best possible candidate possible, not someone who's friends with someone on the committee. Look, if it's Keith Carter, great. As long as he was the best candidate, and I think the world of Keith, I love that guy to death, but as long as he's the best candidate and he's the hire, cool. Just don't put this list together and go hire who Glenn Boyce wanted to hire once he finagled his way into the chancellorship. I still can't believe it, man. Yeah, I know. Dan Rogers, at Dan underscore Rogers 234. If you were the GM of the Cowboys, oh, oh, okay, let's crack the knuckles. How would you handle all the contract situations in the upcoming draft? Definitely re-sign Amari. You spent significant draft capital to get him. You don't do that unless you're going to re-sign him. If you can't get Dak for the number that is reasonable for both you and him, if he's going to ask for $40 million a year, I don't know, man. I don't know if you can do it because the economics at some point are going to come back and bite you. You're going to re-up Leo Collins. You've already re-upped um, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence. You've got your team, your core in place. If you want to go all in right now, say this is our window, then pay Dak, pay Amari, and then the draft, don't be afraid to trade a first for Jamal Adams. Don't be afraid to trade another first for somebody else. That's what the Rams are doing. The Rams know their window is now. If your window is now, go all in, and then when it's time to sell off your team and collect draft capital, do it. If I were the GM, I'd push all my chips in the middle of the table. I'd pay Dak, I'd pay Amari, and I would do the best I could to mine for talent in the middle of rounds of the draft. Now, Will McClay has been absolutely phenomenal in drafts um, in his time with the Cowboys. Finding in the middle rounds, the second round's been up and down, but in the middle rounds, the first round picks have hit. That's what I would do. I would go all in. But once it's time, and this is the problem with Jerry Jones, once it's time to strip it down for parts, don't be afraid. The Giants try to thread that needle. You can't do it. We've talked about half measures on this podcast before. Half measures don't work. Either you're all in or you're all out. Giants are a mess, Ben. We play Monday Night Football. How bad? How many touchdowns do you think the Cowboys beat the Giants by? <laughs> You've said mess probably 25 times on this podcast. This is not your podcast, Every, but Everything in, in my sports life is a mess, Ben. It's, it's, yeah. it's outrageous. Yeah, I know. I think the Cowboys win by six. By six points? They lost to the Jets, man. That's true. Also, Danny Dimes is probably going to torch y'all up a little bit. You still on that hype train, huh? Have okay. you seen him? Yeah, that's why I'm asking. You're still on that hype train. Still. Yeah, still on that hype train. The guy's great. <sighs> He's great. He's having a great rookie year. I'm cutting you off. My Danny Dimes time. All right, let's go. Seeing yeah, at Kool-Aid Chicken. What a name. When the football team gets powder <laughs> blues, do you think they go with a red helmet with UM on the side like the baseball hats? Before that, answer from Suda Upade in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. Let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends, and that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, 
addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. I think if you put UM on a football helmet, people would go nuts, Ben. They would lose their minds. I don't think it would look good either. I can't even envision it right now. I know what it looks like on the baseball, but like I can't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see that working. No. When do you think they do the M script, though? Because it, it's coming eventually, right? I like the M script. I do, too. I think it looks great. But what do you, what do you think that happens on a helmet? Next couple of years. And how do you think the fan base will react to it? Not well, Sudo. <laughs> if nothing else just get rid of the damn lizard make him a fluffy shark the lizard <laughs> god man just go look at any nhl team that has a fluffy shark on the sidelines and copy it and put an old miss jersey on it did you see it they did a baby shark costume for him i guess in reference to halloween and it's the lizard in a diaper <laughs> kentrell lockett and i Pitched that idea a long time ago, before it became conceptual for Ole Miss. Do a shark as a mascot, put 47 on him, honor Tony Fine, all that stuff. That's great. Where were the people in the room when they rolled out the concept art that said, guys, maybe, just maybe, this is the wrong way to go. Stop trying to make a super (laughs) jacked up shark that's adultish. And go with the stupid cartoon that fans will love, that Katy Perry will hug and dance around with like the frickin' bear. What are we doing? If Ole Miss changes this again, it's just, I think, from the way the athletic department looks at it, maybe the new AD comes in and, and says, you know what, we'll do it. But how many changes are you going to make to a mascot over <laughs> a 10-year span, man? Well, just let's get it right. Hey, Ole Miss is going to push the number, right. I promise you that. Oh, man. Hey, it's my favorite word, Ben. It's a mess. B Ham Ole Miss Club at B Ham Rebel Club. Who leads the basketball team in rebounds and block shots? Rebounds, I'm going to go KJ Buffin. Block shots, Hadim C. Sunday starter and closer for baseball. Sunday, Derek Diamond closer, probably Austin Miller. With the FBI throwing coaches in jail for basketball recruits, is recruiting on a more level playing field? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's uh, the wild, wild west, buddy. The teachers walked out of the room, man, throwing spitballs at each other. At Jared underscore R25. What was the evaluation of Gardner Minshew coming out of high school? Undersized, not elite athleticism, not many high major offers. He's really grown into his body. Man, uh, I'll tell you what, Gardner, yeah, it was okay. Mississippi high school quarterback. But, like, I remember watching him play Memphis at the Liberty Bowl when he was with ECU. He was not good. He really was not good. I I don't know what happened from the moment he transferred from ECU to Washington State. I guess Mike Leach. I don't know. But he just turned into a different guy. I saw him play against Lafayette in the high school state championship game, and he looked great, but I stood beside him. I'm barely six foot. 
And I'm standing beside him. I'm like two inches taller than this dude. He's grown. He's gotten bigger. He's like 6'1 now. Good for him. And he went to a perfect place in Washington State with Mike Leach. Don't forget, he went from Texas to JUCO to ECU to Washington State. It's not like Ole Miss was the only program that missed out on him. But in the second part of Jared's question, did Ole Miss see the talent in him like they did Jannard Avery? No. They weren't afraid to offer him because he wasn't highly ranked. He just wasn't highly evaluated coming out of high school by anybody, any high major program. No, I, I know people that covered Gardner in in high school who too like the, some of them work in Memphis town. It, it said they say it blows their mind. They're like, we never saw this coming. You know, he was just an okay high school quarterback in Mississippi. He could sling it in high school, but if you watched him, nothing jumped off at you that you said, oh, okay, that's it. That's the thing that he's really good at. He's just gotten yeah. better. Good for him. It's awesome. It's a great story. Provides hope for some young quarterback out there right now that probably isn't the best. For some young pseudo Upadea out there. At Jared yeah, underscore R25. If Ole Miss can't beat an average team this year, how will Ole Miss justify bringing back Matt Luke for next year and sell confidence to the fan base that they have a chance of knocking off Baylor, Auburn, Alabama, or LSU to start the season? I don't know. If you can get hope from him coming back and you believe that, then good for you. I want that kind of mindset. They've had opportunities. They should have beaten Memphis. They should have beaten Cal. They should have beaten Texas A&M. I said it on Tuesday. It's not personal. I like Matt Luke a lot as a person, and I hope he succeeds. I hope he absolutely dominates Auburn, LSU, whoever, and is the head coach of Ole Miss forever. But looking at the evidence, I cannot help but say that this year has been nothing short of a failure at the feet of Matt Luke as to why Ole Miss is not bowl eligible. Emily Wheeler. At M underscore Wills, where do you predict Greer Holston will fit in the pitching staff this year? Maybe a setup guy to Austin Miller. He's going to pitch. His velo's back up. He's touched 91-92. Greer Holston's going to play a big role in the bullpen, I think, this year. Rebel Fan 68, what is the likelihood that both Luke and Moorhead are coaching for their jobs come Thanksgiving night? Oh, boy. I think Moorhead's done, right? Moorhead's, like, pretty much gone. I think the likelihood of both coaching for their jobs – 28%? Yeah, I'd say that, but for both, yes. Um, But from everything we can tell, it sounds like the Moorhead directors thing is pretty much happening. Now, he has been kind of bad. Oh, there's no kind of about it. He's been bad. Yeah, he's been bad. So you can say whatever Tommy Stevenson worked out, give all the reasons, whatever. But it's like at this point, will Rutgers even want him? Of course they would. Yes. I mean, but other names have been floated recently. I mean, like they're talking about Greg Schiano going back. I mean, there's there's other options. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Rebel Fan 68. Not that anyone would wish an injury. Oh, God. But could it be a blessing in disguise with Plumlee's injury to allow the offense to be what it needs to be with Corral getting more snaps? The offense is what it needs to be under Rich Rodriguez with John Rice Plumlee. What you've seen is what he wants. Did you not watch Rich Rodriguez back at West Virginia? He wants to run, run, and run some more and pass when it's necessary. My whole issue is open up the middle of the field. And where are your tight ends? And why do you not have a team that with Jerrion Ely and Elijah Moore, both of which in space can be incredible weapons for you, why are you not getting them the ball in screens? And those are easy completions for JRP. Percent agree with what you just said. I don't get it. I hate to keep bringing up Mike Norvell, but I'm going to anyways because this is the program I cover the most extensively now. Memphis, you guys saw Brady White. You guys saw what their quarterback is capable of. He can throw it down the field in some coverages and when his receivers are pretty open. 
Uh, he's not always going to be your, he's not your quarterback that you put the game, you know, the game's on the line, you put it on him. Um, they utilize his talents and skill sets very well. Brady's a very smart guy. He checks them in and out of certain things, um, sets up some nice runs when he sees the defense. Um, very intelligent guy, but he's not, he's not an elite quarterback, but they make it work here. And it's doing what Ben just said, using the weapons around him to make him look good. Matt Corral may not be able to win with his arm, but he can do just enough. Or JRP may not win with his arm, but he can do just enough. And he can run. So I completely agree. Bubble screens, dump offs, the Jerry on, you know what I mean? Using the weapons around him to make him look good. I just don't understand why Ole Miss hasn't done that yet. Rebel Fan 68, why such a secretive scrimmage against Texas this past weekend? NCAA rules prohibit teams from sharing information from scrimmages in the preseason that are in an unofficial capacity. They let you do it, but you can't go talking about them and releasing stats to the media. That's why. Rebel Fan 68, what's the story behind R.I.P. Phyllis? That's the sign-off for Control Lockett. Back when Kentrell and I did the Talk of Champions podcast on our own, he was the regular co-host, and I didn't have guest co-hosts like Sudo every single podcast, I told a story... <laughs> about how I was driving down the road and there was this car in front of me and all across the back windshield was this memorial to some woman named Phyllis. Prayer hands and angel wings and date of death and what she was, who she was. And I asked Kentro, who is that for? Why is that the place to honor somebody you love, the back of your windshield? First of all, cars, they're going to die one day. You're going to demolish them. Why are you celebrating memorializing Phyllis on the back of your windshield? And 40 immediately answered, you're talking about her, aren't you? <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. It worked. Who was it for? It was for me. I have no clue who Phyllis is, but we're still talking about her to this day. So Kentrail, in a nod to our old podcast days, Strictly Together, and with that story and with that unique way to memorialize somebody they loved, we give a shout-out to Phyllis, R.I.P. Phyllis. Cole Crenshaw, at Colcren1222. Do we have anything on how the scrimmage against Texas went this past weekend? Yes. Ole Miss rebounded well. Didn't shoot particularly well from three. What I've heard is Texas was playing to win. Ole Miss was playing to get better. And both teams got out of the scrimmage what they wanted. Ole Miss needed that. They didn't have a trip, a foreign trip like Canada last year. The NCAA prohibits teams from going on foreign trips every single year. You can only go on a foreign trip every other year. So not getting that with a team that features seven newcomers to six returning players meant that the Texas scrimmage filled that void for them and almost got exactly out of it what it needed. I know the school, Cole Crenshaw writes, can't release the results, but was just wondering if anyone knows how it went. Went really well. Um, there were some things that Ole Miss didn't do particularly well, like I mentioned, shooting from three, but – the teachable moments from the film, Kermit Davis said, invaluable. Namely for those younger players like Franco Miller, Carlos Curry, that were just getting their first action as Ole Miss Rebels. So um, definitely a success. Blisters on me fingers at GM Crutches. What level of basketball success slash football failure would it take to make Ole Miss a basketball school, if even possible? It's impossible. Ole Miss will never be truly a basketball school. Interest in Ole Miss basketball is at the strongest and best place it's been in years. But football will always carry the day at Ole Miss. It's like that for most SEC schools, 
but for Ole Miss, there's this reluctance to truly embrace basketball all the way, even though support's been tremendous, and Kermit Davis has talked about it, and it's appreciated. But there's always going to be a segment of the fan base that doesn't quite give in to Ole Miss being a basketball school because football for them is the end-all, be-all. Absolutely. It's, it's Mississippi. I mean, it's just how it is. Baseball is a niche sport, and there's a devoted, committed fan base, and Ole Miss has one of the best in the country. But Ole Miss will never be a baseball school. Ole Miss will never be a basketball school. Football will always carry the day. If we ever get to a day where football is no longer a prevalent sport or whatever, as some predict, maybe. But that's, I mean, that's years and years away, if that's even a possibility. Tailgate Rebel at Tailgate Rebel 1. Who's the football coach at Ole Miss in 2021 if they go 5-7? and seven? Briefly, 30 seconds before that answer from Sudo. A quick word from BNA Bank, which powers Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Mike Norvell. <laughs> it would be great. That'd be awesome for Ole Miss if Mike Norvell was the head coach there. But I don't think so. I'll say Mike McIntyre. I want that in my mind so much. Like it could be completely the wrong move, and Ole Miss fans could be like, oh, God, how did we do that? Like, why did we fall into that trap? But right now, it just seems like a good option. Here's one for you Dino Babers. Really? Yeah. Why not? Oh, okay. Why not? We're just trying stuff out, right? No, I've just heard some stuff. You've heard some stuff about Dino Babers? You know, they had a great run a year ago. This year, not so great. Dave Aranda's going to the NFL at some point, right? I think so, yeah. I heard yesterday that if Ole Miss did make a change, Dave Aranda would be atop the list. I don't know how much I trust that information, but I heard that. Here's my thing. This is so funny. Like I, I've, I've said this before, and I think you and I, I mean, I'm sure every Ole Miss fan agrees. Like Ole Miss feels like an offensive school. Like when you go after a head coach, you, you want to win by offense. I'm for some reason on the Mike McIntyre train, but when you bring up Dave Aranda, it doesn't get me excited. That's just something I heard yesterday. Again, I don't know if I trust that information all that much, but just something I heard. And people want to know some of the stuff we hear, and that's something I heard. But Ed Ordron proved – a defensive-minded guy, if you make the right hired offensive coordinator, you can still be an offensive team with a defensive yes. slant. Ed Orzron also proved that you can completely change as a human being, mm-hmm. apparently. So, good for him. I think I saw you, a tweet from you, Ben, of all yeah. people, that you were starting to like Ed Orzron. <laughs> it's hard not to. And dude, that was such a nice video of him congratulating those Auburn guys. It was like, I told you during recruiting, you know, you're going to be good. You're going to the pros. I was like, dude, wow. Yeah, I bet those kids for you know that whatever moment that was probably regretted not going to play for him. <laughs> when I saw that, that's what I thought. I was like, God, that was really nice. So nice, man. Damn it. He's, what he's fresh really hell changed. is this that Ed Ordron is making me like him? Oh. Dude, the, the Ed Ordron stories of, of his past are so nuts that this is insane that, that this is the guy he's become. <laughs> Hunter Kenneberg at Hunt Kenneberg. Who are you most excited to see on the court this season for Ole Miss basketball? Sammy Hunter, with a close second being Austin Crowley. Maybe Luis Rodriguez. He's up there. Hunter Kinneberg, at Hunt Kinneberg. Are you going to watch The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? 
I'm kind of Star Wars out right now. I'm not excited about the rise of Skywalker at all. Are you a Star Wars person? I used to be growing up. Now there's just too many of them, Ben, and they all disappoint me. It's like, yeah, eh, it's kind of tiring to keep up with all of it at this point. The Last Jedi has not aged well for me. No. No. None of the new ones. I mean, the Solo movie, like, a lot of people hated it. I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. It was um, fine. It was yeah, fine. I thought it was entertaining. I think that's my favorite one out of all, all of the new ones. But, yeah, man, it's just it just doesn't feel the same, man. It really doesn't. Yeah. Rogue One actually did it for me. A lot of people didn't like Rogue One. But oh, Rogue One. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, you know what? That was my favorite one. That one was actually really good. That scene with Darth Vader in the hallway and the lightsaber that lights up the darkness was... <laughs> One of the most boss moves ever. So much better than the prequels with yeah. terrible Hayden Christensen. And when he finally puts on the mask, somehow Hayden Christensen sounds like James Earl Jones. And he turns and goes to, I think, the Emperor, where's Padme? It's horrible. Horrible. Completely ruined um, Darth Vader in the prequels. But then in Rogue One, they finally redeemed him to the badass that he is. So, yeah. Yeah. That that was that one was incredible. Maybe, maybe we're just cynics and that movie is our favorite for that yeah, reason. Probably. Tyler, at TSF17, what freshman will play the biggest roles for baseball? Derek Diamond, Hayden Dunhurst, Peyton Chatagnier, probably Connor Walsh. Hadn't had a good fall, but I'm not worried about him at all. Wes Burton, those would be the guys I'd pinpoint right now. Cole Woods, last one, at Miss 22 What is your way-too-early prediction for the weekend rotation for Ole Miss baseball? Oh, easy. Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, Hoagland, sorry, Gunnar Hoagland, Derek Diamond, what are you doing tonight for Halloween? I am um, going to hang out with some friends. I was actually going to come to Oxford, but uh, I had some buddies that were coming from out of town that ended up not coming. Uh, adulthood hit everybody in the face. So I'm staying in Memphis. It's my only day off for the next, counting last week and this week, so the next two weeks. Um, so, you know, try to blow some steam off, man. Have a good time. Dress up as Marty McFly, you know, maybe impress some women. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. How can people well, follow you and check out your stuff? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Sudu Upadea. Just type in Sudu. Don't worry about the Upadea part. There's not many of us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me that way. You can follow me on Instagram at Sudu TV. Um, uh, some some content there you may like. And uh, you know, if you if you happen to be free on a on an, a particular evening, maybe Saturdays or Sundays, and you're just sitting on your couch and you're like, I don't know what to watch. Channel five. Channel five. I will be on there. I will be talking sports. Ole Miss plays, I'll be doing some highlights. I try to put in some excitement into that. And if you're into that, then, you know, maybe we can we can meet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. One of my favorite people in the world. I appreciate you. I love you, Benjamin. And I love you, spirit people. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.